The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. At the end of today's episode, we have... 25 perfect days plus five more. The short story from there is 11 times more likely. I'm hoping you guys are enjoying that collection. Um, can't wait to get into 25 perfect days. Try not to die in 25 perfect days, which I'm writing with my daughter. But that's still, it's been plotted out. I have the whole story idea and everything. Uh, maybe we'll hit that this summer. I'm not sure. Um, I'm working on a lot of things right now. Very overwhelmed. But it's all good. I shouldn't say overwhelmed. I'm I have a shitload of stuff that I eventually need to work on. At least 15 years worth is already scheduled, but um, that's a great problem to have. So I do not have a guest today, but I do want to talk about what have some of these other guests have done for me, how they've kind of helped shape my future. Um, and one of the big ones was episode 107, uh, Child of the Library, uh, Marika Kleinbold. Uh, from Germany. She has the Child of the Library podcast. I was on her episode um, and then she came on my podcast. We talked about Brightside, the English version versus the German version, why I want to get into the German market, um, how I'm going to do that. One of the things that really made impact on me was she was saying one of the reasons why she reads in English and different languages is because how long it will take to get uh, books translated into German. It is it is a great market, but it's a very small market. Uh, there aren't too many places in the world that speak German or read in German. And so a lot of authors, especially independent authors, will not have their work translated. Uh, if books are translated, sometimes they'll be, in, you know, she said, unless it's like a Harry Potter, it's going to be like three years down the road before they even get it translated. So uh, currently I am having Beyond Brightside and Before Brightside translated. Uh, Brightside is already out. Uh, so it'd be nice to have that full little series out there. And then the next thing was going to be Twisted Reunion. But instead of going with that one right away, I am going to go with the Traumatic Brain Injury book. I am going to release uh, the TBI book. It's TBI or CT, What the Hell Was Wrong With Me. It's the title we're going with for now. Um, I'm going to release that at the Frankfurt Book Fair in Germany. Uh, it's the oldest book fair in the world, the largest book fair. Uh, I think it's going to be an incredible opportunity for me. So I'm going to attend it, um, which will be awesome. And I will be releasing the English and German version of the TBI book at the same time. So uh, I think that will kind of prove you know, my dedication to getting into the market um, to let German readers know that, uh, you know, I care about them. I want them to read this stuff. I want everyone to be able to read it, but I'm going to stick with German first. Um, and then I'll translate. I have Brightside translate in Spanish. That one hasn't done that great. Um, I don't know why. I don't know if there's a difference in the translation. The, the German version has been doing much better, higher rating. So I'm going to stick with that. Um, the other really cool thing about deciding to do that, I'm going to try to get do that whole uh, the Frankfurt, Germany thing with my father and maybe my brothers. Uh, my dad edits all my stuff. I thought that would be pretty awesome to have him come along. I know he's always wanted to go to Germany, so we're going to try to make that happen. Um, and uh, episode 105, Marco Tullius, 
he lives about an hour away. Uh, he's the bassist from the band. Um, if you haven't listened to that, go back, check that out. But he, the other day on Instagram, he's saying, oh, he's like, if you come out, we'll jam together. So that is in my head now, too. He only lives an hour from the fair. Uh, it'd be cool to meet him and his family and to be able to jam with him a little bit. So what this is doing for me, not only is it getting me more focused on, you know, getting to Germany, figuring out publicists, <clears throat> all the different approaches to, um, you know, making a very successful trip, get a lot of re reading set up and all that. But I am every day now I'm working on my German. I'm taking it a little bit more seriously. I'm also playing guitar a little bit more. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get like one or two songs that I'm okay at and try to get really good at them. They'll still suck, but it'll be much better than uh, it had been or is now. And then that way, when I go out there, I could actually jam a little bit with Marco. I think that'd be, I think that'd be super cool. Um, other good stuff that's going on. Uh, doctors have gotten their excerpts from the TBI book and the responses are all super positive. They, all of them, I mean, they're only seeing the synopsis. So I'm going over the synopsis and what, you know, so what the book entails, what my approach is, what I've gotten from it. Um, everyone that I mentioned in the book, the different modalities, the therapies that I attempt, um, and so they're seeing that plus their excerpts, but they all think that this is going to make a big impact on people, which is super cool because in my head, I always put myself down. I always think like, who the fuck am I? You know, I didn't play college. I didn't play, you know, professional football. I didn't have that much abuse. I probably don't have that many brain injuries, blah, 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 blah. You know, all these things that I always use to put myself down, uh, never think I'm going to make, you know, an impact on a reader. Um, so it's very cool to have these doctors these different organizations wanting to get behind me and help spread this. So I'm super pumped about that. My buddy, uh, Carl Domini, he is currently designing a cover. He's just doing a, a cover for the advanced copy. When I go out there in June, end of June, uh, we'll take some more photos, probably come up with a real one there. But right now he's got a really cool start on the cover. He, he took a bunch of awesome photos, um, of me when he was here with his son on their last trip. And uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, also concussion related. Today is the Concussion Legacy Foundation fundraiser. I decided to sign up for that last week. It, I'm doing a virtual 5K. It's through Cleveland, some, some running marathon or whatever in Cleveland. But you could do it virtually. I decided to join the Team Brown. There's only two of us. Uh, man, the rest of my teammates just totally let me down. Maybe next year they'll do better. Uh, I'm a last-minute guy, so I shouldn't talk shit. Um, but I matched the first $500 that I raised, and uh, I think we have like $1,500 total, so, which is cool. Uh, it might be $14, 14 and change. Uh, I didn't really make a big attempt at fundraising. I really don't like to ask people to donate money to anything. I know money can be tight for a lot of people. There's something I believe in, so that's why I put my own, <clears throat> my own money into it. And I will be generating, I'm going to try to generate money through my book. Uh, the first page at the end of my book is going to be an ad for the Concussion Legacy Foundation, asking people to consider donating their brains and our money uh, because concussions, man, it's not so much of my time <clears throat> writing this book. I was concentrating on concussions with fighters, with football players, a little bit with military and just the number of people, military personnel with traumatic brain injuries is huge. Um, but then you look at the entire world and how many people have had some kind of traumatic 
brain injury, whether it be a fall, car accident, whatever it is, and most don't know it. So I'm very hopeful that this book will reach a lot of people, a lot of people that had no idea that they are even dealing with traumatic brain injury symptoms. Um, but if this could help people not only realize that, but also give them ways to deal with depression, anxiety, um, you know, low self-esteem, whatever it is, hopefully they'll be able to get something through this book. Um, so that's why I'm very excited about releasing it and going to make a really big push on this too. Instead of generally when I launch a book, I finish writing it, I get copies, I send out a couple and then that's it. You know, maybe an ad or two or, and I've just been terrible at that. I just, it's never been an important thing. I never wanted to really, uh, money was never an issue for me. You know, it wasn't like I was depending on this. This has always been something that I really enjoy doing. I want to get out there, but I never really cared about the marketing approach. Now that's completely different. Now I want to get this book out to as many people as possible, as many countries as possible. Uh, so that's what the Frankfurt Book Fair is all about. Not only selling it to the German market, but finding all kinds of other representatives there that are looking for stuff for their countries. So that is what I shall do. Um, super pumped about it. That's in October. So I still have, what, five months to plan, get all that figured out. Uh, but things are definitely headed in the right direction. Um, what else? What else? Oh, this week, actually last week, returned to jujitsu doing private lessons with, uh, coach Phil and Alex from Gracie Baja Woodier. Uh, it's really cool. We're doing like Mondays and Wednesdays, one o'clock, uh, myself, my wife, um, on this past week, it was also my daughter, my niece and my son. So all five of us went uh, a little over an hour. It's perfect because, they're able to watch out for my neck. I'm able to, you know, and, and my wife has issues too. So we're just doing no gi jiu-jitsu, uh, going over stuff. It's been a year since all of us did it, but it was such a fun time, uh, especially training with my daughter. Uh, it'd been a while for her too. She was a little intimidated, but we started getting back into it. She started remembering things. And I think that's one of the fun parts about it is like, Instead of me being upset, that's like, oh shit, I totally forgot about that move and that move, and I don't know what to do here. Like it's like I get excited about relearning. So um, and just like I make that statement a lot in the brain book and other things. Like it's not about where you are and your level. Like that's how I used to always look at stuff. I was always looking at you know, okay, where am I now? How good am I right now? Whereas like, no, it's the actual act of it. So it's, it's the act of going, it's the act of being around other people. That's giving me something. It's the act of exercising. That's giving me something. The learning, whether it's new learning, learning something that I already forgot, learning something brand new, it doesn't matter. I'm actually learning. So that is what the point of all these things are. I think that's a point of life, but that's just me. One of the reasons I'm getting back into jujitsu is because when we go back east next month, or actually, yeah, we're leaving in into June, we're going to be there for about four weeks. Um, I really want to connect with all the guys that I made friends with through Unlocking the Cage and since then. So I'll be doing a lot of podcasts, but I also want to be able to train. Uh, if I can't train, not a big deal. You know, I got neck issues. Maybe I won't be able to do it, but it just makes it cooler. But if not, whatever, I'll still meet up with them, still be able to record with them, hang out with them. All that just won't be able to sweat on them, cough in their face, all that good stuff. Uh, 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 uh. Only other thing that has been going on, and I'm super excited about this because for the last couple of weeks since I've been working on the bridge uh, working title for the second book in the Ain't No Messiah series, 
actually it's called tales of the blessed and broken series uh but it's book two wasn't sure i was really struggling with it having on writer's block um the problem is book two i started writing that it's halfway done i started writing that shit 10 years ago so not only is the writing style different the ideas are harder to remember uh you know i plotted out that book a little bit of book three four and five so i know the whole ending of them all they all happen on the same day i know the characters but i didn't know about ain't no messiah because ain't no messiah came to me after uh, the bridge so and that's why i stopped the bridge i was like okay i'll write ain't no messiah first that took forever but now so now i'm going i'm looking at it and I'm like fuck things have changed a lot so i had to figure out okay how did ain't no messiah change this entire world that i already started uh but what it did is it, it's making it awesome so at first you know again it, it's turning obstacles into opportunities because and ain't no messiah they had this giant flu that wipes out a huge amount of the country uh so i had to take that into consideration i had to think about you know what happened to the messiah how are they people reacting to him what happened to the president who was accused of killing all these people with this vaccine um you know how did all these different things how did it change the world three years later and so now it, everything finally came to me around it past the family they all love the idea uh but it's starting three years from the day that the messiah tried to kill himself and it is he's in prison and it's going to be his execution and it's his the third attempt at executing him uh for the last you know what every year they've tried to execute him the first two times did not work this third time they're hoping to do the trick it'll all be televised they're bringing in a badass guillotine to cut off his head um the messiah is not the main character joshua is not the main character in book two it's heimdall Jaime, um who's just some teacher and uh so but it's cool i think it's gonna add a lot to the book uh, i gotta make a little statement about society which is what i always do in my writing uh hopefully you guys will enjoy it but i'm excited about it so i'm pumped to get to that i'll be working on that today i just finished up the rough draft of the first third of the book which is takes place when this main character jaime is 12 years old um man it's it's pretty i enjoy it i like it when i when i can get a reaction from reading a book that i'm writing i'm like oh, okay i was like that's cool that that hit me good uh back last night i was working on it helping my son go to sleep i was writing in his room and the shit that i was writing man it was just dark it was about uh a scene in a jail cell with a 12 year old and an adult and it gets pretty fucking gross and um but that's what i do that's what i write that's what i like so I'm excited about it. Uh, the goal is when I am in Rhode Island, uh, so the the first third, act one, is gonna be completed before I go there. I wanna have at least act two finished while I'm in Rhode Island. I have a feeling I might be able to finish the entire thing, at least a rough draft. And uh, yeah, man, so that, that book is gonna be done for sure by the end of the year. So that, I'm also signing a contract with Coach Phil from Gracie Baja this week for his Try Not To Die. Um, still plugging away at these different Try Not To Dies. Co-authors, I know they're busy. They're all going at their own different speeds. So I don't know what book is going to be out for um, the Frankfurt Book Fair, but I'm hoping I'll have another Try Not To Die, one or two of them. I think the Wizard's Tower should be out by then. 
hopefully super high, the at least the advanced copy will be out. So um, those are both gonna be really good books, but it'd be cool to go to Frankfurt with three new books instead of just one, right? So, all right, guys, that's enough for me talking. I'm gonna go write some shit now, uh, but we will go out on a story. I wouldn't leave you without a story. Kind of ask what you think I am. All right, 25 Perfect Days. This is narrated by my buddy who lives down the street from me, David Thompson, excellent writer. Uh, hoping to help him get out one of his novels one of these days, but he's busy with teaching and all that kind of stuff. But again, excellent writer. I like what he did with the narration. This story is 11 times more likely. I hope you enjoy it, and I will talk to you next week. Peace. Eleven times more likely. August 16th, 2049. Justin helped Emily into the elevator and pushed the button for the 45th floor. She leaned against the back wall, her yellow maternity dress dingy from being outside and all the hands that had felt her stomach. The shower had been too much, but people would have been suspicious if they hadn't thrown one. Justin held up the bag full of gift cards, deposit slips, and an old-fashioned check from Emily's uncle. At least this will help with Irene. Emily wiped her tears, smearing mascara across her splotchy cheeks. Can we even trust her? Justin held up his finger to shush her, then realized he'd made the situation worse because the overhead camera should have switched on with the trigger word. He scratched his nose acted like that's what he'd meant to do from the start. She'll do a great job. All those other couples love her. The elevator opened, and Justin walked Emily down the hall. Outside their unit, he let Emily go so he could place his palm on the reader and his eye to the controller's override scanner. Their door buzzed open at the same time as the one directly across from them. Justin had Emily step inside the apartment, before he turned toward Landon, their floor's true resident for peace. What can I help you with? The pimply-faced 18-year-old had a two-bedroom all to himself and didn't need to worry about the weight limit. His smug smile said it wasn't a bad deal for reporting a few dissenters here and there. Just wanted to say hi. See how your wife is doing. From over Justin's shoulder, Emily said, I'm fine. It's just been a long day. Yeah, I noticed you guys haven't left together for quite some time. Thought maybe you were sick or had an early delivery. Emily stepped beside Justin and patted her stomach. No, still here. So what was the special occasion today? Justin held up the bag and told him about the baby shower. In town? Our vehicle's chipped, Emily said. Everywhere we go is logged. True residents weren't to be questioned, and Landon's face showed it. You've been crying, he said. Did someone hit you? Emily shook her head. No, I'm just very tired. Justin told Emily to go lie down and waited until she was out of hearing range. It's been a tough pregnancy. This isn't her first? It is, Justin said as Emily called his name. I'm really sorry, but I have to go now. Sure thing, Landon said. We'll be talking. Justin got inside the apartment and locked the door. Emily stood at the end of the hallway, back to the wall, pointing at their bedroom. Justin took his time, expecting a cockroach, maybe a rat or a spider. 
not the woman lying on their bed. Emily whispered, Who's that? The brunette looked familiar, but Justin couldn't place her. Probably a junkie squatter? She's out. Look at her skin. It was pale blue, the area around her bright red lips a deep purple. Justin ran for the kitchen. I'll get the controllers. The black panic button was beside the fridge. Directly below it sat a balding man with sunglasses and a semi-automatic pistol. The right side of his face was a soft pink. And I always thought you were the smart one, he said. Justin tried to steady his voice. Who are you? The man looked up, his skin an ashy gray, lips cracked and bloody. Don't recognize me? They were only twenty-nine, same parents, same genes. Feeling like he was staring into a twisted mirror, Justin said, Jeremy, holy shit, are you okay? Jeremy took out a speckled handkerchief and wiped his mouth. Never better. Emily stayed in the hallway where Jeremy couldn't see her, palming her miniature cell phone. Your brother? Justin told her it'd be okay, then saw Jeremy had his glasses off. His right eye was melted shut, his left one cloudy, colorless, a sure sign of an eleven-timer. Even if Jeremy wasn't crazy, he had no business with a ballistic firearm. What are you doing with that? What do you think? Justin came a little closer. Can I hold it? Jeremy laughed as he used the wall to get up. No can do. Wouldn't want you to piss yourself. Justin faked a laugh. Seriously, just holster it. My wife's pregnant. No shit. Thanks for the invite. It's been eight years. You disappeared. Jeremy pointed at the living room and told him to get moving. Had to, he said. I'm the one who fucked the world. Me and the way. Think about that. Justin went over to Emily and put his arms around her. He glared at his brother and said, What do you want? And who's the woman? Jeremy nodded behind them. On the couch. Both of you. Justin squeezed Emily's hand and walked her past the dimmed images flashing across the wall-sized digiscreen. Jeremy sat in the recliner, arms resting on his thighs, gun pointing at the ground. The glass coffee table was all that stood between them. Emily broke the silence. Why are you doing this to us? Jeremy held up his finger and told her to hush. You connected? Justin said no. Emily said she was pregnant. That doesn't stop most folks. I care about my baby. One more question, Jeremy said. You'd really press the button? Call the controllers? What else could I do? I'm not getting a murder pinned on me. Relax, killer. Who is she? Not important. Jeremy blinked twice and his face went slack. Another sign he was just another number of the infected who filled the streets. He moved his head in small circles and said, Listen to lies, hear the truth. Lies, truth. Listen. Justin snapped his fingers. Jay, you there? Jeremy focused on his hands. I'm thirsty. I'll get it for you, Justin said. Jeremy waved him down with the gun. No, 
You love Bert, sit. He moved into the kitchen and poured a glass of water. That's great, though, really. I'm happy for you, too. Justin held Emily's hand and hoped she understood it was best to play along. Thanks, Jeremy. That means a lot. Jeremy took a drink and gagged. He threw open the door below the sink and kicked in the water purifier. Justin ran to the kitchen. What are you doing? A favor. Jeremy ran the water for a few moments before filling a new glass. That thing isn't doing what you think it is. We paid close to 10000 for it. Jeremy sniffed the water and took a sip. There isn't one under 50 that's worth two shits. All store models add Thorazine. Emily looked to Justin. Jeremy drank half the glass and set it down. Just enough to keep everyone smiling. No one could get away with that, Justin said. Jeremy waved him away and dropped the gun on the counter. He gripped the sink with both hands and doubled over, heaving a stream of red. Justin thought of going for the gun. Instead, he just stood there and waited for his brother to stop. You okay? Jeremy took a swig of water and swished it around, spat it out. His hand shook. It wasn't really a question when Justin said, You don't decontaminate. Jeremy heaved again, his forehead smacking the faucet when he hacked out a long, bloody rope of mucus. No bleach either? You don't get it. Jeremy used his forearm to wipe off his face. It's not the water, and bleach only speeds it up. They make money, get rid of the poor. All bullshit. Justin went back to his spot beside Emily. Everyone knew drinking unfiltered water caused an 11-fold increase in intestinal cancer, hallucinations, and a myriad of other conditions. As delicately as he could, Justin said, What about the studies? You don't think you have any symptoms? Jeremy finished his water and went back to the recliner, gun in hand. I know what I got. How I got it. Look at the soldiers. No pensions to pay when everybody dies by 35. Whether he had words or a sledgehammer, there was no stopping Jeremy once he got started. Emily had been told that story. Justin held her hand, hoping she remembered. Food, man. The meat. Pork? That shit isn't pork. Not like it's supposed to be. Justin didn't know enough about the hybrid to warrant an opinion, just that the FDA said the splicing was safe. That's what's screwing everyone up? One of many. Jeremy took a deep breath and blew it out. Blood dripped off his lip. He wiped at his mouth and said, I don't expect you to believe me. It's just a lot to take in. Think of all the people that would involve, and why would they kill themselves? Everyone eats that stuff. Not the ones who understand what it does. The research is out there. Just gotta dig. What does that mean? Why are you here? Jeremy set the gun on the coffee table and held his hand out to Emily. I'm sorry to scare you like I did, especially with you so far along. Emily scooted forward and shook hands. Sounding like she really cared and wanted an honest answer, she said, And why did you? You two need scaring. 
took forever to debug this place, set the controller's feed on loop. Justin had no idea if Jeremy was making it up. Where's the camera? Are you serious? Sorry, I didn't go to spy school. Jeremy pointed at the digiscreen. Why do you think you can't shut it off? There had to be a reason. Justin couldn't remember what it was. Are they going to see we tampered with it? We have time. I'm no fool. Then get that woman out of here and undo everything you did. What happened to changing the world? We tried, Emily said. Justin put his hands on Emily's stomach. It's too dangerous, especially with a family. Why, I'm here. Jeremy closed his eye and rocked forward, caught himself, then sat back up. Just listen. If you tell me who she is, who the hell's that lady? Jeremy blew out a breath and dabbed at his cracked lips. Friend of a friend owed me a favor. Justin said that wasn't good enough. Jeremy threw up on the coffee table and fell from the chair. He said he was sorry and dug a small syringe from his pocket. After he slammed the syringe into his neck, his cloudy eye became a little clearer. It gets worse. Justin wiped the back of his hands on the couch, looked away from the lunger oozing down the table's edge. We're listening, Justin said. What's so important? Jeremy got back in the recliner. Realize what's out there, what you're up against. Emily said they had a pretty good idea. Jeremy said she was wrong. And that's just stuff going on, what's in the works. Truth tunnels, mind rape, everyone bound to the way. Justin changed the way he was sitting to get a few inches closer to the pistol. Jeremy nodded at it and told him, Go ahead, it's yours. The punishment for ballistic, Jeremy held up his hand. Listen to one more thing, then decide. The way camps. We're keeping our child, said Emily. That's great, Jeremy said. I'm interested in how. I'm not going to drive anymore, said Justin. We'll use the money we saved for the waiver. We can afford it. Jeremy nodded. Good, because you can't buy those kids back anymore. Can't even visit in most states. Emily asked Justin if that was true. Justin didn't know. It is, but that shouldn't bother you, right? Jeremy's smile was all wrong. Bloody lips and missing teeth. You guys got it all figured out and are going to keep him. Or is it a she? We want it to be a surprise, Emily said. Like it was a matter of fact, Jeremy said. They still told you. Justin picked up the gun. It's cold steel not making him feel any safer. What does it have to do with anything? One of each, Jeremy said. I'd say that's a bit of a problem. Emily's nails dug into Justin's thigh. He asked Jeremy who told him that. Controller's database. Blood tests are automatic. Hope you didn't pay much trying to keep it quiet. Justin felt sick. They know? Before you did. Emily sobbed. What are we going to do? Jeremy asked them what the hell they were thinking. We hired a midwife, Justin said. Heard she was reliable. 
They're regulated. We've saved a lot. All she has to do is keep quiet, and then we could dress them the same. Only take one out at a time. Jeremy kept shaking his head. Sorry, brother. No one's risking twenty years' hard labor. Justin said they'd find someone. Emily cried they wouldn't. It'll be okay, Jeremy said. That's my present to you. A chance, if nothing else. Emily sat up. What kind of chance? A fighting one. There are groups to the east. Justin put the gun on the table. We're not joining a militia. We don't believe in violence. Jeremy laughed. A red mist fell to the carpet. Next, you'll say you believe in God. Time to grow up. Screw you. Take the gun. Protect your wife and children. There are other groups out there, past the old highways. The controllers leave them alone for the most part. We can't just leave without approval. They'll track us wherever we go. Jeremy reached into his pocket and pulled out a small black case, opened it to show the steel instruments. I'll take out your chips. Just no coming back. The light bounced off the scalpel. Is that woman even pregnant? Justin said. She can never pass for Emily. This place is wired to blow in one hour. There won't be enough left of her to say otherwise. Justin held Emily close. We haven't even discussed it. What's there to discuss? Mom and Dad raised you better than that, Jeremy said. You'd never send your kid to the way. How could you ever decide which one? We have no idea what to do. She's due in two months. You figure it out as you go. That's all you can do. Head east and find the others. They'll help. We have to try, Emily said. That's right, Jeremy said. Now go pack. One bag, maybe two. Can't look like you're moving. Jeremy waved Justin down, then sat beside him. He took Justin's hand and laid it across his lap. Hold on, Justin said. There isn't another body, is there? Jeremy held the scalpel to the light, not the slightest shake. Just promise me one thing. Don't name your boy after me. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.